0: It's funny, just two days ago, I woke up full of anxiety, nervous about my day, and uh, I was like, that's it, I'm done. I'm done with guiding, I'm done with the podcast, no more, I'm all done with this. Then my day ended up being fine, um, it ended up being pretty good, and then um, I'm like, well, I'm probably still done with the podcast, Like, can't be anything more possible to talk about And I was like, well, actually, there's a whole lot more to talk about. Um, So this idea came into my head today um, about this topic. And it's it's a rope work topic. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, wow, there is so much connected to this super fundamental basic thing. It's all over the place. It's in our most fundamental understanding about rope work. It's in our most advanced 1% techniques and tricks in advanced alpine settings or you know advanced rock guide kind of settings Um, could be in skiing too for sure as long as you're using rope it's it's gonna be there and it's the concept of using a bite a bite of rope so first of all what is a bite of rope well a bite of rope is a u-shaped piece of rope so if you had a piece of rope lying on the ground and you picked it up in the middle, let's just say it's a meter long, and the two ends would hang down, you have a U-shaped piece of rope. That is a bite, which is not a loop. A loop is something different. So a loop is actually a full 360 degrees where the two strands actually cross each other, creating an actual loop. So bites and loops are different. And, you know, when you teach someone who knows nothing about climbing, and you're going to teach them some stuff about rope work, let's just say tying in, like you could teach a loop first, but you could even start even more basic than that and actually just teach a bite, right? At the same time, you could take someone who has quite a bit of experience on an advanced course and also teach techniques that utilize bites and then everything in between, which is kind of cool. So if you think about it, right, the bite is the basis of a lot of our knots, like even just like a simple overhand, a simple figure eight and a bite. You, uh, excuse me, simple figure eight. You can start with just a bite and then create the overhand. Create the bite. Then we have specific knots that are tied on a bite, right? So an overhand on a bite, a figure eight on a bite. You know, um, butterflies are tied in a bite. Um, so there's like this whole realm of knots, kind of another tier for some knots that have tied into a bite, right? Two loop figure eight starts with figure eight on a bite. Um, which is kind of interesting and then think about where it shows up in other places in, in our system right if you want to belay with a kind of an aperture style tube style device what do you do you create a bite you stuff it in your blade device clip that bite into a carabiner and then what do you want to do to create more friction you create another bite over the edge of the blade device right gri gree what do you do you load a bite in right so it's kind of everywhere in our kind of fundamental systems, right? Tying in, basic knot work, belaying, right? You want to do a body belay? Guess what you do? You put a bite around your waist. Now, granted, if you want to lock it off, you create a loop, right? But you start off with a bite. Um, so it's just pretty interesting. And I was, as I was thinking about this, it's like, yeah, we got this in this, this really basic, fundamental place, you know, starting off with a bite. But then we start seeing as we kind of move up the ladder in terms of um, knowledge, and I'm thinking more about climbing instruction and guiding. Not that this couldn't be for recreational use either, um, but as we kind of move up the ladder, I mean, we have things like also now soft closure or even hard closure. What do we typically do? We tie an overhand on a bite, right? Soft closure would have just the knot, hard closure, you would clip that knot into. anchor or something right to make the hard closure so just right there we're introducing a larger topic which is closure but the foundation is tying something off of the bite oftentimes not that there aren't other variations so it's like oh wow that's kind of interesting like where else are we seeing this so now we start seeing thinking about going a little further up the ladder and now it's like oh cool well i can use this also to you know now that I know how to belay, now I know how to tie in, now I know some knots, you know, now I can actually use it to like maybe build an anchor. Well, think about building an anchor off trees. It's not uncommon these days to be taught a system that uses a bowline on a bite, right, around a tree. And also now you have part of your anchor system using something that's based on a bite. And it's kind of cool too because it's like, if you think about why we might use something that's based on a bite, it's usually an efficiency piece, right? Like you could take the middle of your rope and tie a figure eight follow through around a tree and have two strands of equal length that are essentially independent of each other with a figure eight follow through. Why don't we do it like that? Because it takes a lot of time. Now, we could take that same, we could take a figure eight and a bite and tie it off the middle of the rope, but then we'd need an anchor of some sort, something to clip into, right, to create that same system super fast, right, versus tying a figure eight follow-through around that tree to create the same thing. But we have to use a little bit of equipment, right, that the figure eight follow-through wouldn't use, right? Or we can actually, once again, change into just another knot. A bowline on a bite would also create that whole system, but without the added gear of, you know, maybe a cord and a carabiner to do the figure eight in a bite right? But then you have the bowline on the bite. Cool. The downfall there is like, well, it uses a little bit more rope, right? So once again, even though we are creating some efficiency in one way, we might be losing something somewhere else. It's always this interesting trade-off. You know, or we might even use a tool like a bowline on a bite specifically to make adjusting our rope length in this anchor, for example, easier, right? Like we have all this extra rope and there are many ways we could deal with that, but like, oh, I'll just kind of make this leg with a bowline on a bite. Right. And then all this extra rope is used for whatever, you know, versus an, a, another option, another solution. So I was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. All right. Because we're using a bite there as well. So and then I was like, well, where else do we see bites? Right. And I was like, well, when we start kind of going further up the ladder, once again, with kind of skill and complexity and knowledge, like, you know, all of a sudden when we start leading, and start doing transitions, we might start using a bite, right? So, thinking about you lead up to a fixed anchor or a tree with no fixed anchor, it could be either one. One thing you could do is just pass a bite either through that fixed anchor, through the rings, or pass it around the tree and clip it back to you. Now you're secure, right? Now, this could be in all kinds of contexts. This could be you know, in alpine terrain, going around a rock feature and you just clip back to yourself. Or if there is a tree, going around a tree, clip back to yourself. But let's just say we get to the top of a, of a pitch and we want to transition into a rappel. Well, if we go ahead and take a bite around the tree versus walk around the tree, right? Now, if we walked around a tree, that would also work for this scenario too to kind of protect ourselves. But the problem is you'd have to walk around the tree. Where the bite, we can just kind of pass the bite around, which maybe we can't walk around the tree, or it's too awkward to rock, walk around the tree, and now all of a sudden we can just pass a bite around and clip to ourselves. And then from there, we could actually, once we're clipped in, pull the rope either through the anchor, if we passed the bite through there and clipped it back to ourselves, or around the tree, we just pull it till we find the middle, and then we can do a transition, you know, build our transition from there, all while we have being clipped in on a bite, right? And then we can, bring our other person over and rappel down or lower down, whatever we decide to do there. Um, so I was like, oh, wow, but that whole transition or transitions is based on using a byte, right? Um, and like I said, there's tons of different transitions, but that's one that can work really, really well. Um, you know, one thing that's kind of the downfall with using bytes in transitions like that is that sometimes you have a lot of rope going on in front of your face. So sometimes the visual clarity can be a little bit more muddled if you're not careful. You know, especially if you have a rope that's kind of got a hard to see pattern or colors. You know, once again, add the other stressors in, time stressor, fatigue stressor, right? Um, whatever they are, um, those can all make kind of using techniques like that a little bit more difficult to see what's going on when you have those stressors to you. but super good. Now, same thing, we could use that, now we made this transition to rappel, and we're going to do a multi-pitch repel. We go down to the next station, and as we're pulling our rope, let's just say we have a single rope with a middle mark. We get to that middle mark. Instead of pulling all the rope down and feeding the end through, which would be more conservative, but maybe a little bit more time-consuming, we could get to the middle and push the bite through the fixed anchor or around The tree, for example, and then as we're pulling the rope down, so someone's pulling the rope down from above as another person is pulling the rope, you know, through the rings or around the tree and all of a sudden we're doing two things at once. Right. Little trick there is like once you get the 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 bite through and you actually have the middle isolated through whatever anchor you're using. Have pull enough rope through so you can actually tie a BFK so the the actual rope is isolated. So the strands that you're actually going to rappel on are good. The middle's set where it is and then finish that task. Um, That way you don't get that kind of visual clarity issue. Like take care of that right off the bat versus later. But I'm like, wow, you're using a bite. Now, if you're you're rappelling with two ropes tied together, right, and you're pulling a rope down, once you get to the joining knot, if you grab the rope above the joining knot and pass a bite through and kind of do the same thing I just mentioned – Guess what? Now, every time you repel, if you always do that sequence as a habit, you're always pulling the same strand of rope, which means you only have to remember one rope color or pattern throughout the whole descent that you have to pull. If you don't do that and you're constantly flip-flopping back and forth, so the knots on one side of the rings versus the other, you have to remember, well, which rope am I pulling this time? Well, if you do it that way, you always pull the same strand. So you don't have to think about that as a habit. It's kind of a nice little trick. On a multi-pitch descent, especially you know, it works really well when you have knots because it's more it's more relevant than when you just have a single rope. It's not relevant, right? Because there's no knots to have to pass. Um, well, I guess it depends on actually how you <laughs> set up your rappel. But um, anyway, I was like, well, that's but that's that technique's based on a bite, right? What about using a bite once again as a way of protecting yourself, maybe to get to the anchors that you're going to rappel to? So maybe you had some like short roping or short pitching to a different anchor system and maybe there's a tree up there. Well you could walk around the tree, for example, and kind of protect yourself on the uh, with holding on to the other side of rope, giving your little handself a hand belay. But if you pass a bite around, the nice thing about that is it's like you can lower yourself down to this anchor using the bite, hook yourself into that anchor at the edge, you know, with your climbing rope, and then just pull the bite off the tree so you have less rope to pull, right? If you walk around the tree and do that trick, you're gonna either have to untie or pull all the other rope around, you know, with the other person on it, whatever. So like, you know, there's a lot of ways we can use just put passing a bite to kind of protect ourselves. There's even a trick when you're short roping and you use a, a, a feature like a tree, for example, where you pass a bite around, a short pitching rather, and say so you have a fair amount of rope out where you can pass a bite around and then as you're belaying rope in, you're actually keeping the bite loop going around the tree the same length. So once that person comes up to you and they're safe and secure, you don't have all the rope that you just pulled through to belay them up to pass back around the tree. Because as you are belaying up with this kind of little bite technique, it's actually minding the rope length as you pull i up. I'm like, holy cow, that's based on a bite. And then what are you going to do when, when your person gets up there, your client gets up there? You want to secure them off? Guess what you could do? you could pass a bite around the tree and do a tree hitch, um, which, if you're kind of a rope nerd like myself, it's in the Ashley Book of Knots, number 1919, as the toggled bite. Um, but it's the same thing, right? Now you're using a bite to create this very easy and secure way of connecting someone to an anchor, right? So around a tree, for example, around a rock horn. could even do it around a fixed ring, right? Think about... Reasons why you might do that is that it's quick and fast, doesn't take a lot of equipment. Or maybe in the winter environment, when you don't want to have to when if you wait if you're weighting the system, you don't want to have to untie frozen ropes and cords and stuff like that. You know, pretty, pretty easy, pretty fast, pretty quick. You can belay off it. It, it is relatively adjustable. It takes a little effort to adjust it versus some other methods, but super good. Works really well. You know? And then even taking a step up from that, it's like, here's a 1% trick, the equivocation hitch, which is also known as the macrame knot. It's like, that's just a bite going around an anchor with a series of slippery hitches, which are just formed by bites tied in a, in a series, so you create this hitch. Definitely practice that one a lot <laughs> if you're going to ever use it. Um, but it's all just a series of bites, which is kind of awesome. It's kind of like, I would say, a very much a 1% type of trick that works really well in certain situations, um, which is kind of cool. But it's all based on a bite. And then I was like, well, what else could you use the bite for? Well, we talked about using the bite to create knots and be able to clip into things. So you might choose to use a figure eight on a bite, right, to... Clip people into a climbing rope, say you're dealing with a big group and, and you just want to get a lot of volume of climbing in versus tying people into the rope directly every time for an efficiency thing. But that knot is being based on a bite, right? You could do the same thing in terms of clipping a client in on a glacier or on a shortened rope, right? So you have a couple clients now. Well, you could tie them in directly using a knot like an overhand on a bite with a follow through. So now we take a, just an overhand and a bite and actually create a follow through with it as a pretty secure way of tying somebody in. But maybe you want the speed and ease of getting them on and off that rope or moving them up and down that rope. So what do you do? You create an overhand and a bite and you clip them into that rope. So once again, it's all based on a bite. Or you know, taking that now that you're gonna lead on some more technical terrain, actually a fifth class terrain, maybe you're gonna use one rope. And you're either going to split the rope, so caterpillar, um, excuse me, parallel or split rope, or maybe even caterpillar. So whoever's in the middle of that rope, instead of clipping them in when you're on technical train, actually tying them in directly to that rope, right? Once again, you could use an overhand and a bite, right? But once again, a f- overhand and a bite follow-through, Once again, it starts with a bite. And then we have that trick that we can do, once again, when we have a second person on the rope, maybe end roping could be short pitching, could be short roping, where we actually create an overhand on a bite with a really long bite. And what do we do? We could girth hitch them into their harness using that technique, but it all starts with a bite. And then we just adjust the overhand down um, to the length we want for the cow's tail. But once again, it's a bite that we're working with. So it's like, I was just kind of amazed, like there's all these transitions that can be really interesting and slick and and flowy and efficient, both in short roping, short pitching, multi pitch guiding, multi pitch descents, protecting yourself to get to an anchor, you know, building anchors for single pitch climbing, um, fundamental knowledge just about some terminology about rope and some and some shapes that we see in ropes and how that builds into knots into belaying. So if we think about it. You know, closure, like we say it all the time. Oh, we're gonna tie this off on a bite. Oh yeah, just you know, we're gonna put a bite around this. But it's like, wow, if you really think stop to think about it, it is all over the place and in, in the whole spectrum of rope work that we do from very, very basic to incredibly complex, right? So it's at the bottom of our pyramid, our knowledge pyramid, and at the very top of our knowledge pyramid, and everywhere in between. So doing things with a bite and thinking about some of these, especially these more advanced techniques, some of these transitions, and, and there are a whole bunch of different ways we can do this. I'm just kind of highlighting a couple that kind of came to my mind. Once again, because they're a little bit more visually unclear sometimes, you want to make sure you really practice them well. But they're really useful tricks to, in, your, in your pocket because sometimes that will really make your transition and your flow really smooth versus having to pull all the rope around an object, right? For example, or tie someone off by having to build an anchor, you know, and clip them in and have like use up some of your materials where you could just tie a bite around the tree, or excuse me, tie, put a, um, do a tree hitch around the tree and just use the bite. It takes one carabiner, right? So, pretty interesting if you actually sit down and think about it a little bit. At least I thought it was interesting. So, but next time you're out there and you're using a bite, Think about how universal that simple thing in rope work actually is. Another piece of this, I was like, oh, I gotta talk about this too. Um, that is, think about in some of our rescue scenarios, right? Hall systems, is just series of bites oftentimes to create mechanical advantage. And then what's the one that we use a lot? A drop loop? It's not a loop, it's a bite. It should be called the drop bite. Drop loop sounds better admittedly and i still call it a drop loop even though i cringe every time because it's not a loop in fact what do we tell our clients or people to do when we drop them the loop to untwist the loop so it's a bite right so we have less friction in the system so i once again i just wanted to like oh i gotta talk about that um this concept of the bite is everywhere in rope work super interesting um and pretty cool in my mind